Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ray, and welcome to the RayWenderlich.com podcast. In this podcast, we'll keep you up to date with the latest app development tech talk. Now, here are your hosts, Drew Freeman and Susanna Skyer Gupta. Thanks, Ray. This is the RayWenderlich.com podcast. Welcome to episode 10 for season 12. This episode was recorded on Wednesday, the 2nd of March, 2022, for release on the 23rd of March. Usually we have something amusing to say about sponsorship, and perhaps next season we'll be back with some actual sponsors, but today we want to say something else. Here at waywinderlick.com, we are a group of over 300 developers from all around the world, from countries including Ukraine and including Russia, and our hearts are with everyone affected by this terrible war, including our colleagues, including you, our listeners. So starting in this episode and continuing for as long as it's needed, you'll find a list of ways to hashtag stand with Ukraine in the show notes. Thank you for understanding. And now on with the show. I'm your host, Drew Freeman, along with my co-host, Susanna Skyer Gupta. Thanks, Drew. This episode, we'll talk with Hanan Banachi Diaz. Hanan is expert in both iOS and Ruby on Rails. He works in fintech for the Brazilian investment management company, XP Inc. Here at RayWenderlich.com, he writes tutorials and more to help the rest of us improve our iOS programming skills. Hanan speaking with us this evening from the city of Campo Grande in West Central Brazil. Oh, Hanan, welcome to the show. Oh, hello, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. We're very excited to have you here. So first, let me just check. What time zone are you in? Um, GMT minus four, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Okay, so what time is it there right now? It's it's seven p.m. So okay. you're so you're you're uh, you're in almost like a Nova Scotia time period. The the Atlantic. You're you're east of New York. Yeah, yeah, I'm east of New York. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay, wonderful. Yeah, I did think about that. Yeah, so he's even so he's a little bit later than you, Drew. And it's Southern Hemisphere, which means you are just now coming through the last bits of summer. Uh, yes, yes, we are. We are. Just about to finish summer here. Oh, wild. That's always fun. So so let me ask the, the question we've been asking everybody. How is everything pandemic-wise? Are you locked down? Are you safe and everybody close to you okay? Yes, yes. Everything's, everything's good around here. Uh, you know, uh, it's been a crazy ride, this pandemic. Uh, but, you know, trying to follow all the safety precautions and, you know, stay at home you know, as much as we can. Even though we feel like, oh, it's too much time at home uh we we try to find other ways like go to the park and you know always wear a mask and and trying to to be safe does it feel there like you're coming to the end of it i know to me in the u.s state of arizona which is not known for being good about restrictions at any point um Mm -hmm. it, it really does feel like maybe we're we're almost done or we're done how does it feel by you? Yeah, it feels like it's, you know, getting to the end. You know, uh, you can see like uh, shopping malls and restaurants not uh, like only require you to wear a mask, but they're not checking your temperature or anything like that. Um, but, you know, everyone's wearing a mask. Everyone's trying to, to stay as safe as possible. Uh, we, we just had I just had like the second shot of the Jensen uh, vaccine. Uh, and everyone's okay. getting the, the, the third, the, the booster and so on. So it, it does feel like the end, but we, we are trying to be as careful, 
you know, me and my family and everyone that I know try to be as careful as possible so that we don't, you know, get sick again. Right, right. That That's wonderful to hear. Yeah, and, and Go ahead. Please go. No, I was going to, to ask, like, and how about you guys? Uh, how does it oh, go right there? Uh, I've been personally lucky that myself and my my immediate family, none of us have have been hit by it yet. We are all inoculated and boosted, and we've been very fortunate. Uh, Susanna? Well, so I was just reading that they're estimating that like 43% of all Americans have had it, but a lot of us have gotten in such a mild or asymptomatic way that we didn't mm-hmm. realize. So... None of us were sick that we knew of, right? But mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, I just wonder. And we, so similarly, we got all the vaccinations, the boosters. We were early on getting all of those. Like we have a, when we were living in Chicago, I now live in Arizona. Um, we had friends who were doctors, uh, a friend who was an immunologist. So he was like, inviting friends to his house to give the boosters. So we got, you know, so we got our boosters that way. So, um, so I'll be early and having it wear off. That's a, that's a new kind of party. Yeah. That, that, so, that, that's not the kind of party that when I normally go to, <laughs> I, you know, it's a super great kind of party these days, um, but we're like, so they, so the U S center for disease control has dropped the indoor mask mandate. And Arizona, as a state, never had one. So I go to the gym, I don't wear a mask, and I've stopped wearing a mask elsewhere indoors, too. And, you know, maybe that's foolish. I'm not sure. But that's that's why I'm the one in the broadcast saying, oh, I think it's over, because it feels that way here. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see. So let's let's turn to topics a little more close to home. How did you wind up getting hooked up with RayWenderlich.com and be, being a contributor? Yeah, tell us your origin story. Oh, um, <laughs> my origin story. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's been two years, I think, that I've been writing for uh, the website. Uh, oh, okay. And, and I, I was, you know, I was already a, a reader, an, an avid reader. Uh, I think I access the website every day. Uh, even for just like, okay, is there a new article or is there a new video? Uh, and uh, and then I saw this, I think it was a post on the website saying like, oh, we're looking for authors. And uh, if you feel like it, just, you know, send us your resume and then we can start the process. I was like, oh, why not? Right? <laughs> like, uh, it's something that I like. It's something that I've been reading for quite some time now. Uh, maybe I can can try to become an author. And, uh, and then the process started and uh, everything worked out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I have to share here part of my origin story. So a couple years after that, just about a year ago, I saw a similar post and I went through and I'll say more about this in, in the episode, the, in the next episode. But uh, the very first article that I worked on, which was as a technical editor, was Hanan was the author and he was, and I was nervous about this because I don't have, as listeners know, Drew knows, and Hanan knows too from having worked with me, mm-hmm. I don't have the deep technical chops of many of the rest of the iOS editorial team. I have very strong content and leadership chops that, that allow me to do something useful here. But you, I, Hanan, I really appreciate how incredibly patient you were with my 
like a bazillion <laughs> questions because it was the first work I'd ever done here. And oh, I mean, come on. <laughs> it, and so, so, so you were the first person I worked with here at RayWonderlick.com. And I was like, oh, I love this place. And here we are a couple of years, you know, not even hey. like a year and a half later. So wonderful. <laughs> So, so how much have you, how much have you done now for, for Ray Wenderlich? A couple of tutorials, a couple of, uh, what else have you done? I think I have around four or five, uh, tutorials, articles in the website. Uh, and now, now I'm, I'm part of the, you know, the real, uh, iOS, uh, by tutorials, uh, book. Um, and there are a couple of other side projects that we were, you know, talking about, but, uh, nothing that it's out yet. I'm really looking forward to real world iOS by tutorials. And I really want to pick your brain about some of this book. Uh, I know we both want to really pick your brain about this book. How, let me, let me ask you this. How is this book separate from iOS by tutorials. Oh, okay. Uh, so, like, this book started because there's there's a counterpart group, right? The Android, uh, real world Android by tutorials, right? And the purpose of this book was to like teach readers from the beginning to the end how to develop an app, right? Uh, so, unlike the iOS by tutorials or any other book, uh, we don't. We have a single project that you start working on the first chapter and ends in the last chapter. Uh, so, and, and this has been actually a very, very, uh, you know, extremely hard challenge for us because, you know, syncing all the chapters and all the, the sample projects so that everything matches up was a real nightmare. Uh, but uh, in the end, everything's getting together and, uh, you know, the, the, the real purpose is this, like, this is the, the project that we are working on, and every single chapter we start, we work on a, a part of the project until it's finished. And so the sample app that people come out with must be, like, really fully featured, like, you know, something you definitely can look back on, and when you want to do something in your own app, can remind yourself how you did it in the sample app, and hopefully, you know, borrow some of that code. Yeah, yeah, so every chapter we finish with, uh, like, uh, with something done, like a feature or maybe a, a layer of the application, and then the next the next uh, chapter starts off from that final uh, sample project. Uh, obviously, there are a couple of you know things that we add on the starter project so that we don't right. uh, waste the, the reader's time. But uh, we are the, the main focus is this: like let's start building an app, an application from start from start to finish. And let's show them like real world problems, uh, problems that you are going to face while developing a professional iOS app. Wonderful. Can, can, can you give us a hint as to what the app is that you're building? Oh, yeah. Uh, like the, the app is the same one that it's on the Android book. So it's, uh, it's called PetSafe. And we are using the PetFinders API to browse pets and then you can uh you know uh, adopt pets and search pets by name by age and type uh and uh all the but and and you you know readers are going to build every single feature uh for this app in this book wonderful and will there be warning notifications like if this is a dog that's about to turn 10 and has been returned <laughs> multiple times there could be a reason don't adopt this pet I'm just saying that because I just did adopt a dog like that. <laughs> well, not yet, but that could be an appendix of the chapter of the, the book. <laughs> Extra challenge. 
And yeah. Drew, your one of your adopted pets has one just joined us. One of my adopted saved cats from a from a no kill shelter has just arrived. Uh, when you watch this on YouTube in a few weeks, you'll be able to see the cat. Um, <laughs> so, what is the difference now? This is this is the first book you've done. What's the difference yeah. between doing a tutorial and doing a book? How has that been different for you? Well, interestingly enough, uh, I think it's quite similar, uh, especially because the books are in the uh, like tutorials, uh, you know, um, way of, of writing. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I do feel that we have more room for, you know, explaining stuff and then being, uh, you know, funny about something and then bringing a joke or maybe uh, making some parallels. And we have a lot of more room to, you know, use an entire chapter just to explain a single concept or maybe mm. uh, a subject that's very interesting to, to the reader. Uh, and, we, and then, you know, with an article, you have to do it in a single article or maybe in a two-part article. Uh, but I would say it's very similar to writing, writing the, the articles. I think that's a good point, though, that it's when you're working on an individual article, that word limit is really restrictive. Like it's there for a reason, because we don't want mm -hmm. our readers to be like, OK, I don't even want to deal with this. This is just way too long. But it's you know, there's always more to say. Yeah. And, and we, we still have that word limit, actually. But we are very more we are way more flexible about this. So I think there were two chapters that I wrote that went over the limit, but we felt that uh, we needed that content so that the chapter would feel complete and that readers could read from the beginning to the end and understand like, okay, this is what I'm learning in this chapter. Uh, but it's definitely, it definitely feels more like, I, I would say, uh, relaxed, you know, when we're writing a book and then uh, it feels more, I, I feel more connected to the reader. Oh, that's really cool. Okay. So what do we expect a reader to come in knowing before she's ready to read real world iOS? Uh, I think uh, readers should, should be, you know, they should understand the basics of iOS development and maybe the basics of SwiftUI. Uh, we are, you know, this is a book that's entirely written in SwiftUI. Well, we are not using. Oh, nice. I, I, I actually, maybe you are using a bit of UI kit, but just just a little bit to bridge, you know, UI components to UI kit components to SwiftUI. Um, but you know, they should they should understand the concepts of uh, SwiftUI and the basics of iOS development. But I would say this is a, you know. Uh, it's, it, it is a book for beginners, right? It's for beginners and intermediate uh, developers. Is there any uh, combine in there? Uh, aside from the, you know, the property wrappers that we use with SwiftUI, like state and observable uh, object and observable observed objects, uh, we, we decided to use a sync await uh, with networking and so on. So uh, there's just you know, the, a tiny bit of combine. So probably we'd send people to our combined book to learn more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel like, uh, and, and this is a subject that I, I see a lot of people discussing over in the internet, like uh, is combined dead uh, because of async await and, and the, the new uh, structured uh, asynchronous model. And that's just, uh, you know, that, that's just not how things work, <laughs> right? Like, uh, they are both tools that uh, you can use on a variety of problems. 
And I, I usually say like, there's no right, there's no single tool that fixes every single problem. Uh, you have the right tool for the right problem and, and, and so on. It's one of my favorite adages, right tool for the right job. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So who else is working on the book with you? Uh, Jeff Stills working on the book too. He's an author. And uh, Akib Hussain is also uh, working on this book. They're both authors. Um, Liburner is also working on the book. He's uh, our final pass editor. And uh, I I'm sorry, I can't remember the, the surname of everyone, but Pinal is also working on the book. She's uh, a technical editor. And Kenny also is working on the book. And then Sandra's the, the lead of books now, right? Yeah, yeah. We started with uh, Amanda, uh, but now she's a social, social media correspondent, right? Or, or something like that. I think and community she, manager. And we'll, community, you know, community. We're, yeah, yeah. We're all going to get to see as, as the days and months unfold what cool things that mean that means for people using the website, you know? Yeah, I love yeah, that. Absolutely. I love how you start saying, you know, like every day you'd look and say, oh, what's new here? Is there a new video? Is there a new? So I think part of what Amanda's going to be doing is making a more accessible, um, hey, what's new experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. people feel even more tightly tied to other people learning with RayWenderlich.com. Mm -hmm. The, the way for me, you know, uh, I'm a very curious person. I'm, a person I'm, I'm someone that's also, always trying to learn something new. So every day I open uh, RayWareInTheVent.com, every day I open the Swift forums, uh, and I'm always trying to like, okay, what's new? What are people talking about? What, what can I learn today? And I think that Manda's going to do a fantastic job, you know, summarizing what's new in the RayWareInTheVent.com website. Yeah, I'm excited to see what what we what community means in terms of how the website changes you know and mm -hmm. new ways we can interact and interact with you know because now we're behind the scenes but new ways we can interact with yeah yeah other learners absolutely so i have to ask you and you'd said this um as we were preparing for this episode too uh, what so what's it like writing in not your native language and writing a book in not your native language i mean you wouldn't like you can't really tell talking to you, but I know it's, but I know you're not, um, English isn't your first language. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it has been a crazy experience because, uh, you know, it's my first book. Uh, so I don't have that much writing experience. Uh, and, and, not, and it's not only my first book, it's a book that's not my my native language, right? Uh, but you know, definitely the the experience that I had writing the articles helped me a lot. And uh, you know, the the technical editors, the English editor, they help so much. Like they do an amazing job. And usually, you know, I feel like uh, you know maybe they're they feel like they're in behind the scenes, but they they do so much for us. They help so much. And, uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. Uh, like uh, English and you're right. English is not my, my native language. Uh, I've studied English for eight years, I think, or eight or, or oh, so. Wow. And, uh, but, uh, unfortunately, uh, over time we, you start, if you don't use it, like if you don't practice, uh, you start to forget things. And, you know, my, I feel like my accent is, it's, 
very strong nowadays uh, because I don't have anyone to, to actually practice. I, I only read and write in English. But uh, it has been an amazing experience. I, I don't. I feel like I didn't have any hiccups or any problems writing uh, this book, uh, aside from the, the regular problems that you know while writing creative right. creativity problems. <laughs> yeah. No, writing is just super hard. If you want to practice more, we'll always have you back on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. So. Let me let me rewind you a little bit more off of uh, mm -hmm. Ray Wendler. We we talked about the fact that you do Ruby on Rails and you do iOS. Mm -hmm. Which one did you come to first? Um, I think it was like professionally speaking. I think it was Ruby on Rails. Mm -hmm. uh, I started working at this company here in my hometown, and I you know we worked on pairs, and my pair uh, was finishing a project uh, with using Ruby on Rails, and uh, they were also using Ruby Rails to write the front-end uh, part of the project. And, but, but shortly after, uh, you know, the focus of it was iOS development, so I, shortly after we went to another project that was entirely uh, iOS developed, an iOS app, and, and then we had to, and then I had to like, okay, I have to learn again uh, iOS development. But the first time that I actually like uh, experienced iOS development was uh, in college uh, through a program from, I think it was Eldorado and uh, Campinas College called Haka Truck, which is like a huge uh, truck that they go from university to university uh, teaching iOS development. Uh, and yeah, and other, yeah, and, and it was really, really interesting. They they arrived at my my university, and there was a contest because there were like I think ninety uh, positions that you could you know uh, they they couldn't teach everyone, uh, and and so I I managed to to get a position, and uh, that that was my first uh, experience with Swift. Uh, we were still in Swift two, I think. Or, Did or you Swift have one. an an Apple device yourself at that point? I think I think I had an iPhone at that time, but just that I, I, I at that point I, I've never had like a MacBook or uh, I, I did have an iPad and I did have an iPhone, but uh, I, I barely used Mac OS or right. any other. And so you never uh, like for... you never opened Xcode until that point. No, no, no. It was my first time opening Xcode and like. Oh, this is so interesting. Like, I, I've only known Android Studio or Sublime Text or something like that. And then it was a complete shock for me because, well, well this, this is so, well, this is so pretty. This is so organized. And like, I really like this. I really like Swift or like Xcode. I want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a, a very interesting experience for me. So let's move into some of the jobs that you've had. You are working in fintech. Let's yeah. let's ex let's explain fintech so people understand. How do you explain that? Uh, so fintech usually are companies, startups that uh, are working in the uh, financial uh, business, right? Uh, so XP uh, Investments is uh, it's the company that I'm working on working with right now, uh, and we are in the stock exchange uh, business. Uh, we help uh, our users. Uh, make better investments, uh, understand, and have a better financial uh, 
uh, education, right? And you guys are an international company. Yeah, I think you're traded on the U.S. NASDAQ as well as probably yeah, on Brazilian, yeah, and, a Brazilian exchange and, also. Yeah, and that was, I think, rather recently we, we became an international company. I think it's just about a year or so. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we are definitely an international company. Yeah, and fintech is not just startups because we had so we had was it David Oaken gave the um, gave a professional development webinar mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago, and he's the head of iOS for Charles Schwab, which is a a company I use for investments, and I thought, mm -hmm. oh, wow, that's really mm -hmm. cool. That it, like, you know, that those two worlds colliding. And I have one of my kids works as a developer for PayPal. So there are some mm -hmm. huge non-startup mm -hmm. tech things. And, and so anything financial and technical. Right. Um, so one of the things, Hanan, that you shared when we were researching, like, oh, what do we want to talk about today? Mm -hmm. is, you know, I said, oh, what's it like working in that sector? Like, especially for somebody who's considering where their next job should be, you know, do you have to be like somebody who's, oh, I live and breathe investments. I super love money <laughs> and like everything about making money. And, you know, so that, that wasn't your background. Like that wasn't what drew you to it, right? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, uh, Surprisingly enough, I had like I I was feeling like oh my god I'm going to this company that you know may, probably everyone is like that like money and 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 investments and uh, but no that's just not true. Uh, I for one am like I barely understand like stock exchange and investments. Uh, I do understand what I need to understand to develop my features and and you know ship features, but uh, no it's it's I would say it's just like any other company uh, out there. Uh, it's, you know, here at XP, we have a very uh, lightweight and uh, I would say a very, very friendly uh, environment, right? So everyone takes care of each other. We are always talking to each other and, and doing meetings so that uh, we understand how we're doing and how uh, the project's going. Uh, so I, I completely entered the, the, the company with that that idea in my head and it was shattered in the first day. Like everyone was so nice and everyone was like, uh, and that's, that's okay that you don't understand this. I'll explain it to you. I'll uh, give you some, some resources to learn about it. Uh, so it has been a, a very, very nice experience. Do you feel like there's like a primer on, you know, if somebody's considering applying for a role in a fintech company, like, what should he know about the sector going in? Uh, I feel like the basics itself, uh, understanding like, uh, you know, just downloading the, the app itself and then trying to, to understand a bit or even reading about it online. Uh, I think that that would be enough. Uh, I, for one, uh, entered the company knowing zero about like my, my financial uh, uh, education was like the basics of everything. Uh, and, and every, everyone was so nice. Like everyone was like, okay, if you don't understand about this, that's okay. I can teach you. I can explain it to you. Uh, and, and it was, uh, it, it has been very, very interesting. Now, how long have you been with XP now? Uh, it, I have been with them, I think one year and six months or so, something, something like that. And 
and you've been responsible for bringing in Swift UI. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Uh, so we, I started the movement to change, like to start using Swift UI on the project. Uh, ever since uh, I entered the company, we were targeting iOS 12 at the time. But shortly after, we moved to iOS 13. And then you know my my evil brand started to my evil brand started to like okay I can I can put Sutwai on this project, uh, but it took me about a year or so to actually get the courage to do to do it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, like it 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 was just you know like the the fear of actually supporting something new right and then something that no one is using here in the company. But uh, it worked out great. Uh, we started using SwiftUI in our app. And, uh, Did we have you about, like hmm. refactor everything that was there? Were you like, okay, we need like one new view. And you were like, okay, uh, we're going to make that view in SwiftUI. Or like how, how exactly yeah, we, did you do this? We still, like uh, most of the projects still using UIKit. Uh, I would say probably 90% of the project is using UIKit. Uh, and the, the first time that I used SwiftUI was for a new feature. Like, uh, we have this, this new feature that had, like, I think five or six screens, uh, in the, in the flow. And then, uh, I, one of the screens was just a static text information view, right? Like, uh, explaining to the, to the user, like, how the login process was going to work and the new login process. And then I was like, okay, this is a fairly simple screen. I could use SwiftUI for this. It would, you know, I would be done in a, in a GIF. And then I talked to my, to my manager, I talked to my pair, and they were like, just go do it. Like, it's, it's okay. We, we are, we're gonna, we are, uh, we're gonna support you. And I was like, are you guys sure? Are we really going to be using a new technology here? Uh, even though I was like crazy to, to, to use it. Uh, and then it worked out fine. And then I was like, okay, uh, maybe next feature I'll maybe use two screens in SwiftUI or maybe three. And then things just got out of control. I started using SwiftUI for every single uh, new feature that we, we were developing. Uh, so like we still have a lot of things in UIKit and a lot of uh, new stuff that we're doing is in SwiftUI. And we are already building components and views that to reuse in older UI kit views. Uh, but we are moving slowly. We're taking things slow uh, just to make sure that we bro don't break anything. <laughs> and you've also picked up async await, uh, await in a few places too. Yeah, yeah. When, uh, I, when Xcode 13.2, I think, came out, uh, I saw the opportunity and I was like, okay, maybe this could work out here. And then I, I actually first, I, I created a proof of concept uh, sample project uh, showing them like, and, and, and presented to my team like, okay, so this is a sync await. Uh, it's a new future feature. You guys heard about it. Uh, maybe we could use uh, in our project. And they were very excited to, to start using this. So I started, you know, every single new feature is using a sync await now. That is very impressive. Okay, so it's so it's very much a just do it approach. Like, if, like if if somebody else is listening and thinking, well, how am I going to get my workplace to change? Well, you present mm -hmm. you present why it's good, and maybe do a little like teach in on it, 
And then just like every new thing that comes across your personal desk, you're like, actually, I coded this one in Swift UI. Actually, this <laughs> one uses async await. And so, and then they're presented with that. Yeah, uh, I feel like... Set completed. I, I feel like my team, they, they, I developed a trust between me and my team. So they trust me uh, to do this and they and understand like, okay, what are the risks? What are the advantages? What are the disadvantages? And uh, they, they, they felt like, okay, he, he knows what he's doing. And uh, we, we want to support this change. Uh, so it was fairly, you know, it took me a while because I was scared of doing this. I was scared like, okay, we're going to be adding this new feature. Like, what, and, and there was a lot of things that could go wrong. For example, like, okay, RSCI, uh, what if it's not using the latest Xcode? It's going to break, so I'm going to have to update that as well. I'm going to have to update our documentation and so on. Uh, but in the end, uh, I, you know, we talked about it, and they were like super supportive. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this, and everything worked out. Uh, there were a couple of hiccups, uh, like uh, you know, bridging uh, completion handlers to a sync await and the network uh, component, and and so on, but. Uh, those were, you know, challenges that we would face anyway when uh, down the line when we were switching to SwiftUI or async await. So it was very, very. It was a very interesting experience, and and it's very fulfilling actually using these new technologies, right? Because they're the, uh, you know, new stuff that Apple's uh, giving us to to develop iOS apps. So just for comparison, how big is your team? My team is fairly uh, small. We are about, uh, let me see, I think eight or ten people. Uh, we, we are actually uh, responsible for the advisors app. So XP has a, a bundle of apps. Uh, and there's the clients app. And then there's the advisors app that get all the information to make proposals to the clients and also uh, to give them information on how to uh, do better investments. Uh, and we are a fairly small team in the company, uh, but we are constantly talking to other uh, teams to, you know, make uh, cross-platform uh, uh, UI components and also other, you know, code components that we use in all our apps. So the eight of you are all iOS? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, it's just uh, it, the whole team's eight, ten people. Uh, but there's only me and another person working on the iOS app. Got it. And then is Android on the same team? And do you have like a designer on your team and then maybe a scrum master? Or Yeah, we have, uh, we have two iOS developers, two Android uh, developers, uh, one designer, one uh, product owner, uh, one scrum master, and uh, two backend developers as well. And are there other iOS developers elsewhere in the company who are working on different apps? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like, the, I think the clients, app, the clients uh, app, iOS app has around, I don't know, maybe sixteen, twenty iOS developers or so. But wow, all, that's a big difference. They, yeah, they're they're all they're all uh, spread out. You know, like the uh, credit card part of the app or the login and, uh, and notification part of the app. Right. Uh, so, so they are spread out in different teams. 
do they ever do do you do like a like let's all learn together kind of you know all ios devs within the company are gonna you know chat about certain like cool new thing i learned in swift ui or a really great thing we're doing with async await or um yeah uh every every friday actually uh oh, and good. it was it was one of the, those Fridays that I uh, presented the, the, you know, to all the iOS uh, developers in the company. And I think like uh, the clients, the clients iOS app has about twenty developers, but in like in the whole company, there is about I don't know forty or fifty iOS developers. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, th there's a lot of people, and and then uh, we I presented them like. Hey, uh, we are using Swift Package Manager here. We are moving away from Cocoa Pods, and uh, we started doing this for a while. And I wanted to show you guys what we had, and maybe it's interesting for you guys to do it later uh, in your own project. Uh, and also at the end, uh, the time I, I I included a sneak peek, like, oh, we are also using SwiftUI. Uh, like, get ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> so. Having now dug into Swift UI with the book, was there anything that you found that was something really new to you that you really loved? Mm, I feel like uh, in the book I had the opportunity to actually uh, face real, like, <laughs> and I know, like, the, the name of the book is Real World iOS Development, like, but real world problems, right? Uh, because uh, so far my experience with SwiftUI were like side projects and uh, obviously right. writing articles, uh, never like a, a full app. And then uh, I started working on the book way before we started using SwiftUI uh, in my team. So I felt like I had to, I, 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 I faced a lot of real world problems. Like, okay, how can I use this API in a way that, uh, it still follows our design. It still follows Apple's guidelines and uh, still can uh, achieve the feature that we're trying to, to develop. Um, and uh, I feel like I had to study a lot and, and because I already had like a, a fairly good understanding of SwiftUI, but I had to, especially, especially for a single feature, I had to understand a lot about Swift generics and view builders and uh and result builders in swift some fun things yes <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely i mean it's there i would say like fairly uh like advanced topics but still they're very important to understand like how they work under the hood and how you can actually use them on your day-to-day -day, uh coding right say more about what what was challenging and how you dealt with it in um, working, putting SwiftUI and UIKit together? Mm. I mean, is it really just as simple as like, if I have new screens I want to add to an existing project, I just, you know, choose new SwiftUI mm -hmm. view and code up what I want. And mm -hmm. like, how does, how does like the, how you deal with data is totally different. Like, how do you make that work? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's completely different, right? Uh, we change paradigms when we were working with Rikid and then SwiftUI. Uh, but I felt it was 
fairly easy to bridge them, uh, especially because Apple has given us like great tools to do this. Um, when I mean, when you're working with fairly simple screens that are just you know like an information screen or maybe even a feature that has a dynamic data that you're manipulating or adding or whatever. Uh, you know, just putting that, that entire Swift UI view inside a UI kit flow, it's fairly easy. You just use a UI hosting controller and it, you can treat that view as a view controller, just like any other in your iOS project. Uh, and, and I would even say that, uh, like the navigation gets even easier because you're still using the old, uh, let's say, uh, navigation, uh, components that you have in your project to handle view controllers and so on. Uh, so it was just really, really simple adding a Swift UI view to our uh, UI kit code. Uh, I think the challenge came when we were like, uh, we have like a full feature in Swift UI, but we also have to, uh, you know, bring UI kit components to, to this UI feature that, you know, UI kit components that we already have uh, implemented. Uh, and then, uh, you know, once again, Apple has given us amazing tools to do this. Uh, but most of the time I felt like, okay, maybe I could just recreate this in SwiftUI and I won't, like, I'll spend just a couple of hours, like two hours to recreate this uh, UI kit component and it will work just the same and eventually can actually get rid of that old UI kit component. Um, so most of the time I, I've been doing that. Most of the time I have been you know, recreating the UI components in SwiftUI. Uh, but it's been, it's been really, really fairly use, easy to use in, with UI kit. The UI hosting controller really blows my mind on how simple it really is because you can even use it in the playgrounds and just throw mm -hmm. views into a playground view. So you've got almost no overhead. You just simply set up a V stack and say, here, display this, display this, display this, and throw it into UI hosting controller. Yeah, yeah. And 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 and, and it's interesting because uh you know we are still targeting iOS 13. Uh and I feel like this has been uh a discussion in the community, like is SwiftUI production ready, right? Can we use SwiftUI in production code? And I feel like ever since it came out, it is ready, right? Uh, sure, there, there, there are a couple of features that, uh, for example, we don't have lazy VStacks in iOS 13. You would have to target iOS 13, but you can still create views that do not rely on uh, lazy VStacks and they were just going to work as fine and and uh, so so like I feel like SwiftUI has been ready ever since it came out. We wish we had more time to fit the entire interview in, but if you want to see everything we said, you can watch the whole episode on YouTube in just a few weeks. Alright, Hanan, uh, I want to thank you so much for being on the show this week. It's it's a pleasure having you. It's great to see the work that's getting done and it's a pleasure to hear about how you've infected your team at work with new technologies thank you so much for being on the show uh, thank you so much for having me uh this has been 
a blast. <laughs> now we can find you on Twitter at Hanunbinjias, which I'll spell slowly because that may not necessarily have translated to R E N A N B D I A S. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Susanna, you can find online at Suz Gupta, and I am Podcast Drew. We're beginning to wind down this season. Next episode, it is time to start putting the hosts on the hot seat. And Susanna will be offering us a behind-the-scene look at the iOS tutorial development process here at waywendelik.com. I will. Two weeks after that, I will talk about my new personal app that has recently, and I mean recently as in days, hit the App Store, and how I ramped up to be an indie developer, and maybe some looks at some early statistics if I'm not already crying at nobody buying my app. For Susanna, who I cannot do this show without, and thank you again, Hanan. I am Drew, and we will see you in two weeks. In the meantime, back to the Emerald Castle. Ray, back to you. And that's a wrap. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the RayWenderLick.com podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.